Thank you so much for joining us for our April edition. This month is Stress Awareness Month and something that I think impacts on stress and wellbeing a lot is technology. Technology is everywhere, it's essential. It kind of underpins all of our lives and plays a pivotal role in our lives. And technology can be a blessing I mean, not that it's great to be stuck in traffic, but when you know, just for example, how late you're going to be for something, not that I'm ever late, but knowing when, where you're going to be, um, being able to, if you're getting on the train somewhere, you can just pop doing your, doing your banking, order your food shop, obviously you can tell I'm a mum, that kind of stuff. It just makes life so much easier. But what I've been talking about with my guest who is today, Jonathan, uh, is that technology and your habits with technology can actually become negative and that's where they can kind of impact on your life overtake and kind of prevent you from achieving what you want to be achieving so I'm going to let him introduce himself his name's Jonathan Garner and he's from Mind Over Tech and kind of specializes in this area. Thanks Beth um, lovely to be here yeah so as you said my name's Jonathan um, a bit of background about myself so um, yeah career-wise it's been a bit varied I started off studying sculpture at university um, had a stint for a few years running a picture framing business, but um, in building a website for that that company, um, quickly got into and fell in love with web design. So right. uh, self-taught in how to code, and um, yeah, I worked for over for ten years in that. And I guess that kind of started from just a love of digital technology. I played a lot of video games as a kid, um, and yeah, I've just always been inspired and, and excited by those kinds of things. Um, so yeah. Within those last 10 years, also like more recently, like maybe the last six years, I've done quite a lot of work um, in training. So designing and delivering workshops yeah. uh, to some of the biggest companies around the world, um, often at quite a leadership level, uh, demystifying technology. So uh, be that kind of actually what is code or understanding machine learning or blockchain, all of these kind of new things and yeah really trying to yeah demystify them in that sense so. lost me gone already so probably should have gone on the training excellent about to get into that yeah um yeah so i guess digital has been uh, a big and continues to be a big part of my life and technology in, in general is definitely inspiring um and then there's kind of this other part of my life which is an interest in meditation um i practiced that in the buddhist tradition have done for over 15 years and um yeah i kind of so you mentioned that um, my company's Mind Over Tech, and we're about three years old as a company, um, two to three years old. And um, yeah, that, that really came about as those two kind of areas of my life started to clash a bit. Okay. I kind of noticed that a lot of the benefit or the mindsets which I felt I was able to cultivate through a meditation practice um, were kind of almost instantly eroded through uh, some of the less uh, good digital habits which kind of I observed which I had. The onness. Yeah exactly yeah and th that was really stressing me out for a while I was mm. kind of thinking well you know what um maybe I'm just going to quit you know doing web design stuff go back to my roots do some more kind of physical uh, yeah. art-based stuff maybe um but then I also just realized that digital is not really going anywhere no. it's only going to become more and more ingrained in our lives um so actually maybe what might be more worthwhile is to try and understand well how could I begin to redesign the nature of my relationship about how I use it, which would put me in control a little bit more? Um, so that was just something which I've been experimenting with the last mm -hmm. three years. And yeah, people seem to be curious what I was doing because we'll talk about it later, but kind of, um, yeah, doing strange things to help me with that. And then that slowly snowballed into, into a business. 
Well, that's nice. <laughs> it's it, it is a business, and I met actually met Jonathan at a well-being conference. Mm-hmm. It was a big kind of well-being day with lots and lots of different things going on, and it really st- stood out for me because I think that there's quite a lot of gimmicks out there you know try this try that have a bit of yoga at work which I don't think are anything necessarily going to overcome what is essentially a kind of very on culture very high expectations very fast paced um, area that we're working in generally now in commerce and I think the the ability to put some ownership on yourself and also the tools that you need you know it's essential it is really essential um it's, I thought it just stood out to me as something that would be quite a useful thing to kind of complement what we've been doing this year. So obviously we don't want to start with a negative. Maybe we'll do a, a positive, a negative, a positive. Because um, technology is great. And like you say, it's, it's only going to be there. I mean, we had a conversation recently where you were saying, you know, for the past 10 years it's evolved to the point that we don't even realise how ingrained it is in our lives. How many people have Alexas or, you know, that turn their lights on and off. They can't even turn their light switch on. I don't have any of that, but it's it's brilliant and it can be really useful. And like you say, uh, support on the go, etc. You mentioned about doing meditation. Most people have an app to do meditation. Mm, the irony yeah, of it is yeah. is not lost and Fitbits, etc. So, you know, where technology can be a positive, what would you be your thoughts? What is mm. that kind of good bit? Yeah, so, I mean, I'll kind of preface this by saying that I really strongly believe that um, everyone has different needs from technology. Okay. Um, so I think, therefore, kind of, when you come to define good technology, um, that could be quite subjective. Um, but, you know, just... If I had to think of some, some you know, to hand examples of where I feel like technology is bringing benefit into my life. Um, one example could be, so I'm not wearing it now, but like uh, if I go running, then I'll wear like a Garmin smartwatch, which can uh, tell me how fast I'm mm-hmm. running and how far I've gone and it will track where I've gone and I can kind of keep an eye on that. And that, that inspires me like on, on, on a fitness level. Um, something simple like WhatsApp um, is, you know, kind of just present in everyone's life yeah. really but just actually what that enables me to communicate both with family and friends and increasingly like in a work capacity actually mm. is, is, is massive um you know obviously there's many messaging platforms out there but there's something about also when you just kind of know that everyone is on one and actually sometimes just the benefit of, of ease of use the negative is when they double tick blue it and you don't get well, a response that's it. And this is, you know, <laughs> i think this is going to kind of Add more and more as we talk is that you know none of this is black and white yeah actually um recently being fortunate enough to take a lease on an electric car um and you know that is just fantastic it it, this this new technology is flourishing and it's it's really you know it's not the answer but it's anna like helping towards the answer of helping our our environment and, and moving around more um and actually um yeah you know as more and more people by these kind of electric cars, that's going to help uh, battery technology get better, and actually that will kind of fan out to all other mm. areas of, of the world. So that um, a, a couple more because I was thinking about on the way over. Um, so I mentioned I used to play a lot of video games as a kid. I've st- I've got a Nintendo Switch now. Like my daughter's got that. Yeah, like obsessed. I don't play it all the time, but sometimes in an evening or a weekend, like it's the perfect way for me just to relax and unwind. It's kind of like 
Yeah, it's just like reading a book or, or watching a movie. I think it's a bit like being mindful. I was going to talk about this um, mm. because generally we're never mindful anymore. Not that watching telly is a mindful activity, but before smartphones, mm. and I'm doing the hand movement of, mm. a, of a flick, a scroll, an Instagram scroll, you used to just watch a programme. You know, Emmerdale, 7 o'clock, it would be on. That would be what you would focus on. Whereas now you don't even watch telly with your sole focus on that. Right. And I think that is that bit about those kind of video games or reading a book because you are, for the first time probably all day, yeah. just solely focusing on one thing. Yeah, and yeah. that kind of one focus yeah. is quite good and for actually, you. Um, there's some research which came out last year um, which was actually talking about the uh, yeah that, that kind of calming effect of playing a bit of Tetris, mm. actually. just Because you kind of get in that kind of flow zone yeah. of... Yeah, and it's, you know, anyway, so so that, um, and even something like YouTube, I'd say, actually has been, um, is like a, a massive positive influence for me in terms of uh, just exposing myself to learning things or being creatively inspired by things which, which people are doing. It's kind of, I feel like I have a really intimate access to amazing projects which people mm. are just kind of broadcasting. There's a lot to learn on YouTube. Mm. Like if you, and I often, um, my daughter, if I could try and give her a, you need to do this, why? Well, because you do, and she'll question it. And so if, if Google says, <laughs> Yeah. Then she uh, then she's okay. I believe it. I didn't believe it before, mummy. It's kind of like that's the the right, right the, the rules of the of the child. The yeah. other thing I think that can be quite positive, and I've got a colleague, um, or a friend of mine. She's got quite a high um, level job, and she takes people with her where she goes in terms of projects. Mm. But none of them are in the same country. She's found the best person that does that role, yeah. and they live in one country. She's yeah. found someone else. But the technology and the project management tools and the ability to kind of communicate across. Mm like thousands and thousands of miles it's it's so amazing because you normally people say i need you to be in the office face to face and that's how you build a business or a team and actually that's not essential anymore yeah yeah, yeah absolutely you can have an international yeah. team yeah so interestingly as i was saying before um this is kind of subjective so that list of things are things which i find that i kind of get value from right now yeah but for someone else maybe youtube or you know having uh, playing video games or um, or even WhatsApp might actually cause a huge amount of stress in their, yeah. in, in their lives and, and be something which they would kind of put in the, in the negative camp. So, I, yeah, I, I think um, it kind of goes beyond good, good or bad. And this actually stems back to quite long-standing philosophical debates about technology in general, because technology, I mean, when we talk about technology today, we think about the web or self-driving mm. cars or whatever, but, you know, like a fork is a piece of technology. It's something it's designed which, at some point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's something which kind of actually um, enables us to um, extend our capacity as a, as a human. Um, whether, you know, a microphone can help you make your voice a lot louder, but a fork can help you, you know... Um, eat. Yeah, eat. Exactly, <laughs> better, more, more graceful. Um, yeah, so this kind of actually starts to touch on a really long-standing philosophical debate around technology. Um, and to use the technical terms, um, it would be a deterministic view or an instrumentalist view. So yeah. determinists might, well, they would believe or they would say that any technology kind of has a will or a force of its own. And as soon as it's kind of exists, then um, it, it has impacts on society, which, which we have no control over. So like what one historical example is, when windmills were kind of created, that that technology, um, the fact that then that afforded people to um, kind of take hierarchical p 
powers of um, positions of power in society, basically the feudal system. Um, yeah, they're kind of saying that windmills just laid the ground and made that inevitable. Um, whereas instrumentalists would say the opposite, that a windmill or any kind of technology is just an inert tool, um, something which has no will of its own and it's, you know, whether it's good or bad, it entirely depends on, on how we decide to use it, essentially. And uh, this, this fascinates me and, you know, it's as true now as it ever was, if, if not more. And I, I think there's not really a clear black or white answer to this. Mm. Um, yeah, I think, you know, one because one, sometimes as well, when you think of determinism, um, often people talk about it in a negative way, but there's also amazing historical examples of how technologies actually just do have an amazing positive impact on, on mankind. So there's this one I was reading recently about, um, I think kind of like 1400 uh, AD, uh, I think it's AD, BC, my history's not very good, but the, it was the Babylonian <laughs> Empire anyway. But basically, this is when they were first making maps. So maps didn't really exist before then. And there's this exhibit and it was a piece of clay and someone had drawn some lines in it. But um, the amazing thing about this was that, you know, when people first saw this, they didn't really know what it was. They didn't know how to read it because they'd never seen anything like it. But the people that had kind of come up with the idea with it slowly showed them how to use it. And over time, people got it. And that actually meant that they kind of raised their own ability to see the world and have abstract spatial reasoning about the world, um, just because, yeah, like the, the kind of abstract thought of reading a map. So by virtue of everyone in, in a village practically saying, oh, actually, this is a very helpful thing for us to follow, suddenly everyone actually had a higher capacity for uh, spatial reasoning and kind of, and, and, and yeah, abstract kind of logic and thought so it's kind of really interesting just something as simple as a map actually how that seeps in and and shifts and, and kind of benefits us as a, as a person so i was going to ask you how to define technology in mm. terms of because we're saying oh stress and tech mm. it's actually it's everything isn't it really what you're saying from mm. a, from a fork to a windmill to a map to the design process of it and then you've got all the way to where we're at now you know we started with that bit of clay with the lines in it to the sat nav app phone thing that you've got that gets you around places and flying airplanes. So I think, I feel like we've kind of probably defined it already in terms mm. of it's everything, mm. but the bit that we kind of need to be focusing on, I suppose the next stage of this podcast is thinking when it can be a, a negative or when mm. it could become a bad thing. I know I mentioned about the kind of the mindless scrolling. We, we always, when we think of technology, I think we automatically think of phones because they're, well, they're not just phones anymore, are they? They're, if someone loses their phone, it's their life is gone. In in its essence, it's all mm. their photographs. It's all their banking details. It's absolutely everything on there. They're kind of the most essential piece, really, which is, I don't know if that's a good thing, because it means that we've so advanced, or if it, you know, it could potentially be the bad thing. So having that, but then also the other side of it, and we're obviously doing our um, webinar this month as well, thinking about, most of the reasonable adjustments that businesses put in place to support individuals with stress rely on technology, flexible working, mm -hmm. home working, mm -hmm. um, different hours, those sorts of things. And they fundamentally require internet access, ability to, to log on from lots of different locations. Yeah. And I think that fits in with it as well. And that can sometimes be part of the, the cause of when it can become a negative yeah. habit. So I'm conscious from my perspective that it's actually... I'm listening actually when we was at that conference someone was saying um, I can't remember if it was I think it was the guy that was from Twitter we never bored anymore 
Mm. Are we? We, we? we don't have the capacity mm. to be bored because we can always, you, can't, you don't wait anywhere. You, we, we lose a lot of creativity mm. from constantly being on. When I drive, I tend to come up with more ideas, showering, etc. because I never have that time of just yeah. being. Yeah. Um, we're on all the time, all the time. We can, you know, you can check your phone at any point. I've been on holidays before, interviewed individuals while I'm on holiday because I was worried about the staffing problem at home impacts on the ability to kind of switch off which we all need and I can see that where that conflicted with your meditation mm. piece two completely different conflicting things mm. um so that's how I would perceive it as kind of being a bad thing but this is obviously where you're doing your, your workshops and doing the, the work so, you're doing in this area so yeah 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 so I think um maybe it might be good just to kind of yeah explore some of those ways which um so first of all I'm, I'm going to refrain it from reframe it so rather yeah. than saying like good or bad technology yeah um I, I feel it's more valuable to talk about good or bad digital habits great because if we follow on from what we're saying before the technology could actually on one, one way of looking could yeah. actually be either but actually our habits or how we relate to that kind of i think right now is, is the most relevant yeah thing. but so maybe exploring how potential bad digital habits that we have could impact us um and i i, I feel it impacts us on so many different ways, you know, but on a well-being level, um, physically and mentally, um, creatively, as you were saying as well, and, and obviously put on a productivity level as well. So, um, yeah, maybe, maybe it's good to kind of zoom in and, and talk about that. Yeah, great. Um, so, I mean, one, one thing as well that I quite often um, will do if we're running a workshop or kind of talking about this is... Um, kind of preface this a little bit as well by talking about just the mind in general a little bit and the reason I do that is because if you think about 80% of the time when you're using technology I, I guess this conversation we're kind of talking maybe in the workplace you've mentioned stuff like remote working mm. this kind of thing um, like so, sometimes I ask myself the question like where are we when we are um, kind of working with technology and if you just look around your office and see everyone kind of sat there at their desks Basically, everyone's in their head because we're just sat there and we're looking at a screen. But every, everything that these digital technologies are basically extending our mental capacities. And so there's a lot going up in here. And I think it's really important to have like a basic understanding about how our minds work mm. to then understand like all the ways which, which this impacts us. So um, that means that we um, we kind of research quite a lot and draw on a lot of, of neuroscience kind of learnings as well. Um, but what's really interesting is actually how um are kind of as we've evolved over time uh back in the day <laughs> when we were i don't know primates or e <laughs> even earlier than that um yeah we uh, parts of our brains which were kind of helping us survive uh are something called the kind of perception action cycle so just as simple as perceiving things in your environment uh, uh a loud noise or heat or something like that and then reacting to that. So if it was a loud noise running away quickly or warmth, maybe you'd move towards mm -hmm. it, something like that. But this is very habitual and kind of um, instinctive as well, reflexive kind of behavior. Um, and actually these these modes of, a, of, of, of being or, or kind of thinking are still very much there. So um, there are huge numbers of statistics about um, how often we are engaging with our phones, for example. So like there's one survey from a company called D-Scout which says that if you're an engaged user uh, of, of a phone, um, then you would be touching your phone between four and 5,000 times in a day. Um, now, 
depending on how you define touching a phone, like how many touches is writing a text, for example, I don't know. But actually, if you break it down, it's like 136 separate sessions and they're all spread out throughout the day. So there's kind of like literally hundreds of interruptions right throughout the day. And what's interesting is it's, you know, one of the main things which is contributing to that is our um, reflexive habitual perception action cycle. You know, your phone vibrates, you pick it up. Mm. You get an internal notification, you unlock it. It's kind of, and the thing with the brain is, you might have heard of the term neuroplasticity, is like it's constantly rewiring mm. itself. Anything that we do regularly, we kind of, our brain trains itself to do better and more quickly. So we are literally um, kind of teaching ourselves to uh, be overly responsive to these these devices. And and that, that can impact us productivity-wise, of course. Like, you know, how often do you have that feeling when it's the afternoon of, oh, I haven't even got into my... You know, creative problem-solving work that I really want to be doing. Like I've just been—it's like an addiction, isn't it? Yeah, but and but it's also like it is an addiction, but it's also this thing which is kind of constantly forced on you as well. Yeah. At least with an addiction, if you've kind of like decided that you know you're going to stop, leave it alone for a while, there's not someone there just kind of like tempting you with more. So then you'll get another phone call, another email, or something that yeah, 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 exactly. So on a productivity level, it's definitely really difficult. on a on a on a well-being level as well, there's lots of impacts of this. So one is that, um, okay, let's say that you're in a scenario where you are working on, on a project at your desk or whatever, and you are trying really hard to not be tempted by all of these distractions, mm-hmm. by your phone buzzing, by whatever it is. Um, it's Pot, pos- like the Pomodoro technique. Yeah, 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 exactly. So like, yeah, there's external techniques like that, um, but there's there's also elements of our brain which are helping us do this. So um, in the prefrontal cortex, we have lots of um, different functions. There's a set of them called the executive functions, which basically help us to not react habitually, but actually pause and take a different course yeah. of action. So we might decide, using our executive functions, to ignore the phone buzzing and get on with the, the project and keep going. And that works. But the thing is that our brain is a muscle, and every time we kind of use it or exert it, it kind of requires energy. and as I said, hundreds of interruptions all the time. Like we're, we're having to filter so much stuff out that actually, at one point, our prefrontal cortex gets tired and shuts down and dumps a load of cortisol into our systems. And this is the fight or flight hormone, uh, which kind of puts you in this adrenal state. And again, that's biologically what should happen um, if we need to uh, every now and again. But because of the situation we've created, we're just spending more and more time in this state. Like someone was saying to me, and I kind of, it rung true with me is like how you spend your day today for example is probably more or less how you spend your week and that's pretty much how you spend your year so it's kind of like actually the amount of time that we're spending in this adrenal state um is a lot more than it should be which and is triggered by that kind of external yeah, stimulus exactly, yeah. right and then the, the, then there's knock-on effects of that in terms of actually just mental well-being so um kind of stress anxiety all of these things uh, there's a long list. The NHS has a really good list of like the most commonly uh, experienced mental disorders, like those that I just mentioned. And um, one in six people experiences them at any one time. And all of these um, are very much linked to the you know spending more time in that in that fight or flight state. Yeah. So there's the the kind of all the ex- external stuffs coming at us. We're trying to we're trying to focus. We're trying to switch off we, we're trying to can you like I mentioned the Pomodoro technique for those that don't know it it's one of those things that we pass on during our um, employee resilience sessions and it's 
most of us try and multitask and that's exactly what you were talking about is you're trying to do a task and then your link or Skype or something will pop up or an email will pop up or someone will talk to you yeah. or one of your many phones because you've normally most people have got at least two if not three phones on their desk like all of that stuff is mm -hmm. there I mean you're trying to kind of focus so when we talk about the Pomodoro technique we actually try and recommend to people take yourself away don't turn all your emails off turn all your comms off don't take a phone with you 20 minutes 30 minutes focus on that one task most people will finish that task in that time yeah. rather than it could take 45 an hour three hours to finish one task yeah. most people say at the end of the day oh i had six emails left unwritten because i didn't get to finish them yeah. and that's that inability to kind of single sole focus on activities yeah. yeah and actually to come back to the you know to the neuroscience side of it um actually multitasking is impossible yeah right? it doesn't exist 100%. it's just uh, task switching is the term. Man and, over my own heart. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. Why no, do no. people kid and, themselves? Yeah, but, and, and literally the, you know, the, the, the definition is that it is task switching. So you, you move very rapidly from one to the other, but it, it's not possible to do two at the same time. And, and it is ultimately very inefficient from a, from a brain process point People always think they're multitasking when they're doing something on the phone whilst also on a conference call. Guaranteed you're going to forget when your name's been spoken. <laughs> and yeah, then you end up going to Tulsa like Chandler. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we've talked about kind of the different issues. I mean, you could we could go on to thinking about technology in terms of social media and how that can negatively infiltrate. Is that ever mm -hmm. anything that you touch on in in the work that you do with people? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we I mean we we run a number of different workshops, and a starting point would always be just what we call digital habits foundations. So that's very much everything we've been speaking about so far. Just kind of going into that and. Um, but then leading on from that, we kind of go into other areas. So communication and relationships is what one of those other workshops and, and, and that definitely starts to touch on, on social media stuff. Um, and I, yeah, I guess, I don't know, maybe what I'd say is just to repeat the theme from before, I don't think it's inherently bad or, no. or, or inherently good. Like there are loads of wonderful things, you know, whether it's from a business point of view or just from a... Um, a personal inspiration or, yeah. or keeping touch kind of point of view. Um, I think what's interesting is, and this is relevant for everything we've spoken about, not just social media, but technology is basically just an amplifier. So, you know, wherever technology is, it, it, it's kind of amplifying or making faster or more easy something which we would just be doing anyway. So social media is, you know, we are very deeply social creatures. Um, and actually, there are there are different characteristics of social interaction which are really important to us. So there's kind of bridging ones where you are, um, you know, maybe meeting lots of new people. Those connections may not be the most important in your lives, but they're ones which could bring you, give you new points of view, mm. or um, broaden your social circles, which could help you also strategically. You know, these kind of things. So, and th there are also other kinds of relationships which are really important, which are these kind of deeply. Uh, strongly rooted ones so kind of like close family and friends and that that nourishes you in a different way and there's there's been a few interesting studies which kind of show that actually social media can really help accomplish both of those things very, yeah. very well and they are quite positive forms of social interaction um i think the, the classic example where social media falls down uh in that in that arena is that kind of comparison the kind of social yes, comparison massively. so which is you know again something which happens anyway outside of technology and social media but um and that's something which is never really that beneficial for us but there's something about technology which then amplifies that process and yeah. makes it much easier to do that so 
Um, it's easily accessible, isn't it? Because you can yeah. easily do it. Whereas before you'd have to, I, I was, I'm of the era when we used to go and buy a magazine, mm. not buy, not subscribe on your phone. So you could yeah. buy a magazine and, and you would still do the same thing. You'd be mm. looking at all the other people that were in the magazine. So it's just a different forum, I suppose, for yeah. doing that. Um, it's just that it's very, it's, it almost feeds into that bit about you're watching you're, you might be watching the telly or doing something and then you're also like even actively doing that comparison it's mm. just it's just so easy mm. as opposed to do those things yeah. so thinking about because I was going to put what are the top five mistakes we make mm. but I feel like what you were saying was reframing it and thinking how could we have more positive digital habits mm. thinking about what you were kind yeah. of we need to stop thinking of it as bad and how could we it's a bit more like control I feel like what you're saying is we have a choice there's that executive bit where we can go right I've got all of these things available. Mm. I've got that bit to stop and think, how am I going to let this yeah. impact, influence and be in my life? The boundaries, the parameters. I don't need to feel anxious at 10 o'clock at night when I'm about to go to bed because I have the choice to not look at my phone or yeah. not look at my emails. Yeah. And we are almost the instigators of the stress relationship with technology. Mm. It's not technology doing it to us. Mm. That's what I've got from you yeah, today, yeah. I think. Yeah, um, yeah. But what are those positive digital habits that we could do to kind of improve our well-being? Yeah. yeah, so yeah, I think fundamentally um, the starting point is, well, what we've kind of developed and what, what we share a lot in our workshops is kind of two things. One is many, many, many small, tiny steps which you can take to begin to shift that, that, that balance. And I guess when I say shift the balance, what I'm talking about here, well, in fact, you mentioned it before, it's about shifting it so it's a control relationship rather than one where you are being controlled mm. and we use the word agency a lot so to so anything which can help give you agency give you give you control over the way which you use your technology because ultimately a good as the way i define it a good set of digital habits will mean that your technology is aligning with your own sense of purpose perfect and helping amplify that rather than distracting from it yeah so um yeah there's Lots and lots of small things because this is well. What we're talking about is habit change, yeah. essentially, and there's lots being written and said about habit change, but it, a lot of it starts with kind of small, easily actionable okay. kind of steps. And then I think the other part of it is about um, having some kind of a framework which then you can really use to apply that um, in a meaningful way. So I think all of that process for me begins with awareness. So actually because i think the thing is most things in your life which you spend a lot of time doing or a lot of money on you do after stopping and thinking about is that something which i want to do or is that something that's meaningful for me and then making that decision and the thing with with technology and you've mentioned it kind of in many ways here is that there's an inherent lack of boundary around it because everything is possible all the time then actually Actually, that's really a terrible thing for us mm. because it means that we're constantly being asked to make decisions about what we should or shouldn't be doing, essentially. So actually bringing in some boundary, a sense of boundary for ourselves and creating a space to even begin to ask ourselves like, oh, um, is this how I want to be spending all of this time, which I'm spending on X platform or you know, doing, doing something uh, specific? So... Yeah, I think first of all, just bringing in awareness. Um, and so just to be really real about that, like if we just talk about one relationship, so for example, your email, you know, um, right now 
I have a horrible relationship with my email. Um, I feel like I feel like I'm very busy and I'm kind of behind on things mm. and I'm constant. There's like there's too many emails to really deal with and. So my way of coping with that is just checking it at any point during the day when I have a spare moment, just to make sure that I've not missed something. Just prioritise yeah. something. Yeah. But then, this isn't this is not agency. Like I'm not in control of my inbox. Yeah. It's totally in control of me. And um, when I have periods in my life where I'm feeling control, I will, in my calendar, block out like a couple of hours or maybe an hour or two in the afternoon, and I'll deal with the emails, and then I won't look at it again until that time the next day. And that that actually I can often achieve a lot more in my emails when doing that. But it's easy enough to say that, but to create the situation when you can do that actually depends on loads of other things. And yeah. it's all boundary setting, essentially. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit of a long-winded answer, but you know, in, in terms of... So I've got right in the summary as you go. So... <laughs> um, yeah, so that is quite a long-winded answer, but you know, in, in relation to this question about w- what things could we be doing, I think it's, it's two things. One is beginning to make, take lots of small steps about things which we could do. So one example I just mentioned, you could experiment with uh, only answering your emails at, uh, at a specific time of day and challenging yourself not to look at them on others. Now, that, that in itself might be something which you think, oh yes, that would definitely help, but there's no way that I could do that. Maybe my role requires yeah. that I'm, you know, answering immediately. Fine. In, in in that case, it's like, well, what's the smallest way which I could apply the spirit of that? Because it's not ultimately about not answering emails some of the day. It's about creating a boundary. So it's like, okay. Well, within within the things which I can change, what what constructive boundary could I bring in here to actually kind of give me some agency? Um, and I suppose if they're impacting on someone, because if that's what their job is and they have to be on them, then it's probably not yeah. having a negative impact. Absolutely. Because it's when it is infiltrating what you're meant to be doing. It's kind yeah. of the crux yeah, totally. of it, isn't it? Yeah. And like, so like we work with a lot of lawyers and, you know, um, some of the, the, the tips or things that we would say would be, for example, you know, take a walk without your phone or charge your phone outside of your bedroom. And that's something which they just unfortunately can't Cannot do because yeah. they're kind of, they have to be on, on call to the client. But then, as I said, it's, it's about identifying and creating time to reflect, okay, I can't change that, but what can I change in my downtime? What can I do to help make up for the fact that I have this unhealthy relationship with my phone in this part of my life? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's kind of taking stock in that sense. Um, I think the other thing I'd say here is that, and maybe I already mentioned it before, but it's like none of these things are a silver bullet. And it might even be that something works great for you one week and then a month on it doesn't work at all because your work situation has Something's changed. changed well. So yeah. for me, it's really about having loads of things which you can do at hand, but also beneath that, having this framework where you are being aware, like just just observing what is my relationship with my email, for example, right now, and then reflecting, like, am I happy with that? Um, and may, maybe your answer is, no, I'm not, but I don't really feel like I'm doing anything about it right now. But then if you've got all these things, then at one point, you just try and shift it a little bit and then just repeat that cycle. Be aware of it again. Am I happy with it now? And just slowly kind of shifting in different directions. And for me, this kind of digital habits thing basically becomes a lifelong practice. And even if, as I said, even if you've got it perfect one week, uh, the chances are at some point further in the year, everything would have changed and you'll, you'll need to readdress it again. So in the same way that you don't get fit once, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Actually, this is something that we need to constantly be aware of and checking in with, and and having it as part of our, our well-being 
toolkit. You need to check in with each other as well. I think sometimes, I mean, I obviously most people now make a concerted effort to not have phones at tables mm-hmm. when you're having meals with family. Yeah. But just things, sometimes I might be waiting at the train station for my husband or something and my girl, daughter's in the car and she'll say, Mum, can you get off your phone? You think, God, why? Why would I do that? I, I need to be having that relationship and mm-hmm. interacting. What am I doing? Distracting myself and not her. So I think you just need to be just really mindful. So the, the main points that I've kind of I've taken away from, from what you were saying is change it into thinking of the positive digital habits. It doesn't have to be bad. It's not all bad. It's just, is it causing you that sort of stressful situation? And, and do you want to be spending your life in that way? So I've ma- massively, that bit about having, not having your phone with you, I don't need to be in the evening, like at one hour in the evening on my, not on my own or, or with my husband or whatever. We, we generally sit in front of the telly, but we don't watch it because we're on our phone. So we've actually, I've made him stop doing this blooming wizarding game. He kept playing, he's 40 odd years old. Why is he flipping still? Anyway, he's got rid of the wizarding game, a win. <laughs> and the phones are outside the room so that yeah. we can, even if we're not talking, we're actively doing the same thing together, which is watching watching the TV programme, for yeah. example, jointly. Yeah. So to having thinking about what am I doing, is it adding any benefit to my life whatsoever? Um, and then from that, taking control, because like you said, the, the, the computer games can be good. They can be fun. They can be relaxing. I mean, some people can go down a horrible YouTube hole, but some people can have a great, like really enjoy it and get a lot out of it. And, and I absolutely love my ASOS app, like, I don't buy stuff necessarily, just like having a look. I haven't looked at ASOS for a whole week, you know, that's my favourite thing. God, I'm so, so lame on a shallow. And then I like watching Insta stories, like they're my bits when I get that time, but it's when I have that time now. Yeah. I've kind of, specifically from hearing you speak at the conference and then and then thinking like, what am I getting from it? And I enjoy that. So yeah. just limiting it, taking control, making those small steps so that it's not been massively radical, just leave a phone out the room for an hour in the evening and focus that time on what I actually want to do. Have the awareness, like is so being aware of what you're doing, is it meaningful? Having the boundaries, so do I need to look at my phone? Do I need to look at my email? Do I need to take it with me? That kind of thing. How much time are you actually spending and what could you be spending your time on differently? I equate this to going to the toilet. I worked out we spend seven years of our life going to the toilet. What a waste of time, a bit like ironing. You know what I mean? Like, am I wasting these hours yeah. ironing or scrolling on my phone? What am I getting out of it? We only have one life. But maybe maybe those seven hours in the toilet don't have to be a waste of time. If, you if you're need, on your phone. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or if you read on the toilet, or if you spend that time yes. learning a language or... Reading the shampoo bottles. Yeah, whatever it is. Like, um, so again, just, just to bring it back, that the act itself is not necessarily inherently bad. It's, yeah. it's bringing intention about um, why is it that I'm doing this and how can I turn this into something which furthers my own sense Me. of yeah. Yeah, like purpose. Yeah. Perfect. And then just sort of experiment with what works and it might keep fluctuating. So I feel like we've... We've gone through everything. We've talked about instrumentalism and windmills and forks and everything. And it's, you know, it's it's really insightful. And I just think this resonates with so many people because, like you say, it's just, it's everywhere. Mm. So thank you very much for joining us. We've got our webinar this month, which Jonathan will be doing, and that's aimed at kind of line managers and HR and how we can kind of be role modelling those really good digital habits as well. So hopefully um, people can join that. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please like it, please share it, and we'll catch you in May for the next one. Thank you very much. Bye.